Hey folks, this is the uh, a different variation on the uh, stories behind the stories segment that I'm doing for things. I'm trying to take it to the podcasting level and see if we can't get some more traction out of things and also possibly get a bit of a better recording because I'm on my iPhone and maybe it'll cut down on some of the noise after the fact. Let me know what you think of this format. I would love to hear your feedback, your reactions, everything. You can email me, of course, as well, or Facebook, or whatever you want to do. To let me know you like it, you don't like it, it sucks, it's great, you're just happy I'm doing something again as a writer, whatever, you know. So, um, yeah. We're going to go ahead and... I'm just playing with transitions right now, so I'm going to throw a transition in here, let you guys marinate on that for just a couple seconds while I go get some water, and then back to talking about Endangered, the very first full-length vampire-slash-werewolf novel I ever wrote. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Stick around. All right, we're back. Let me know what that felt like, guys. And once again, I apologize. Some of the audio I can't control. And uh, I wouldn't be able to do it, do these podcasts right now, if I could control them. Because I'd be dying in my apartment. It's, uh, I'm batching them today. And it's like 90 degrees outside. And it's 85 in here. And like I said on an earlier podcast, or... I have no air conditioning at the moment. I'm waiting on the apartment complex to fix that shit. Yeah, it's 90 degrees outside. So, um, but we'll see if we can't make this sound cool, all right? Let's get into Endangered. Endangered is the first of a series of books called Knights of Lust, and I wrote this originally under a different name and a different, a whole different premise, and I basically fucked up my first vampire novel. I just made a total shitstorm of it. It was just awful. I never even finished it. The characters were aged wrong and just there was so much ick, you know, about it. But I got a call for submissions from a buddy of mine uh, who was opening up a new publishing house. And at the time, you could do that and make money. So I thought, okay, well, let me see if I can put something together for this. And at the time, my ex says to me, if you're going to write vampire shit, you need to watch this movie, this movie, this one, and this one. And it was like, Interview with the Vampire wasn't even on there. None of that was on there, as a matter of fact. It was Lost Boys. Um, the original Dracula. Might have watched Dracula 2001. And then we ended up watching... Oh, Christ. Because I think they ripped, it, ripped me off. Uh, whatever the damn movie is with the vampires and the fairy. Let me just look this up real quick, you guys. Um, vampire movies. Vampire. Underworld. That's what it was. Because she had the soundtrack to Underworld, the first one. And it's really, really well done. And I mean the Maynard James Keenan version. Um, and she, we watched that. And she said, this is what they should look like. This is why. This is how this works out. This is your lore. Because Anne Rice, after her. I can't remember which one it was, but after whichever particular novel it was, she began fucking that up. This is my ex's words, not mine. And I may be paraphrasing, so take it for what it is. 
And then I also got heavily into reading other vampire novels by Christine Feehan, and, and I picked up Shell and Kane's Dark Hunters and saw the spin on that, and combined it with an idea of an angry 25-year-old male who hated the fucking world and hated his life and hated all this other shit and wanted to fix it and wanted somebody else to do it. And because I know the former owner of that publishing company that's no longer around is also kinky, I wanted to put some heavy BDSM into there. I got one scene on. I got a reverse rape scene. And it wasn't even a good one. And I say that not because it was poorly written. It's because in the scene where my heroine is uh, beating the ever-loving shit out of a drugged-up hero, she goes to try to fuck him. And the male body does what the male body does. It gets hard, gets off, boom. Then you're, you know, if you're drugged up and drunk, you're gone. And she gets pissy with him for that throws him into a room of his own but yeah I wanted to write something dark I was listening to some really dark shit at the time too a lot of Mudvayne a lot of Godsmack their older stuff anyway was angrier a lot of Seven Dust uh, some new stuff that came into my world like The Flaw I mean not Flaw not The Flaw The Fleer out of SoCal which is kind of a shoegaze dream pop they're EDM on some level but that's kind of it, and they just, generally, I want to, I'll be honest, I just want to fuck to their music. Uh, my ex had introduced me to the 12 Tales soundtrack, which had a lot of that, a lot of that dark wave synth pop on there, and actually the original version, as a matter, matter of fact, I believe the version of uh, Endangered is out, needs to be fixed because the... I left the lyrics in at the first chapter, or each chapter started off with a, a lyric from some band I was listening to. Uh, did they take it out? Nope, they let it in. It's one line, maybe two. But yeah, I, I wanted to start this, I wanted this really edgy thing, and that's what Endangered was about, was this basically this cop that wanted to go out on, a, on his own terms, but he was going to do the right thing and take down this opponent, take down this, these people that are causing problems and spreading drugs. And he didn't care about the vampires. He just didn't trust them. And I ended up giving him a partner that had a non-royal heritage, but ended up becoming something of a legend when her and her female lover came to America after the Turkish Revolution in Hungary. So, she had established this reputation as being somewhat of, well, the queen of the night, basically. And I wanted to revolve this whole thing around this legacy that she was supposed to have. And it ended up where she was going to basically be this empowering dominatrix who's basically your average sadomasochist and who's into sadomasochism and it turned out that she wasn't the one like that her lover was more to the point but her lover had issues too and I realized that when I was getting into the meat and bones of the story that um, and I didn't realize this until much later when I was going through revisions before Red Sage picked this up but I didn't realize that basically Joseph and I just forgot her damn name. 
Sorry, folks, this happens to authors. We forget the names of our characters on a regular basis because we write the stories and, you know, 10 years go by, 15 years go by, and you, you uh, don't deal in that universe anymore, so you don't know. And, you know, I should know this character's name because she's got a nickname. Wait, maybe it's another thing. Nope, I'm looking at the prologue, and I guess I wish this was a long video for you guys, because it'd be better for you guys to see me actually scrolling through here, but nope, it's not going to happen. Uh, wait, Livia and Isabella. That's right, Isabella's the one with the other with the issues. Joseph and Lizab Isabella have the, the personal issues with themselves because of how they've chosen to run their lives and what belief systems they've allowed into their own heads. Livia was put in there for balance, even though she was supposed to be the dominant one. But it just didn't come out the way I wanted it to in the final product. And I don't know how to fix it, and I couldn't anyway. Uh, what's worse about this is the uh, this follow-up to this is already out. And I'll talk about that on a different podcast. But the um, follow-up is out, and Joseph is still going through his issues. Isabella is still going through hers. And Livia is fucking changing. As, and she's no longer going to be a vampire, I don't think. I don't know what she's going to be. I dropped the series. Spoiler alert. But, uh, the book did a couple things for me. It really fine-tuned my ability to write a dark story without having to just put a bunch of blood and gore in there. That That is in there, definitely. That is in there, definitely. This is not a light-hearted piece of erotica that you want to fucking grab your toy to and, like, find the sex scene. Those sex scenes are supposed to be powerful, dark, and emotional. Hopefully I did my job, and you as a reader will pick it up on that and go, Oh, okay, I get it now. And you'll understand why the lyrics are there as well. That changed over years as well, too. I had certain lyrics that I wrote when I wrote the story originally, and then I discovered new music, as I often tend to do. So things got removed and changed, and the focus of the chapters got shifted around. And the story continued to grow. And I really, initially, when I was talking about this and doing this, it was actually going to be at least two different menage stories, or it was going to be much more poly-friendly than it is going to come out as, if I ever go back and finish this series. Because uh, Joseph ends up with Isabella and Livia. But... Uh, read to find out what happens, but when he's in Hungary, he finds his match in a wolf. He finds his mate, his wolf mate, and that causes him amount of grief. It doesn't cause his primary lover, Livia, but it does kind of give Isabella some questions, and then when the actual book that I was working on two years ago to finish this and rework it to make it better... I was pulling all of this apart to give them to simplify relationships. And then the, the male from the second full-length novel would come in and he'd want Isabella only. And that's how I was going to do this and shape this world. And I just didn't. I lost interest because it was such a pain in the ass to redo. And I, I still, I have a beta who, when she's got some real free time, I may ask her to go back through this second full-length novel 
at least write the damn thing or fix it for me and I'll do I'll put the work in and then we'll see if City Lights wants to continue with that or if they don't or if I just want to get it out there to get it out there I don't know I'm changing kind of how I feel about things in terms of material that's written and material that's new so that's what else about endangered can I tell you guys about the guy who dies at the end or one of the guys who dies at the end was based uh, literally I based him on David Draymond from Disturbed I think if you're ever going to lose your hair you need to shave your head bald get your lip pierced like he's got and put on about 50 pounds of pure muscle <laughs> none of this dad bod shit um, Joseph's drink of choice is vodka. Mine is actually scotch. But he ended up getting brandy, I think because brandy was easier and cheaper to get in Livermore at the time. And I was also, we were going through a lot of wine and trying different things out every time we took a trip to Trader Joe's. Because we don't have that in Texas. I don't know if we do now, but we don't have Trader Joe's in Texas. And I don't remember but I don't think in Texas you can buy hard liquor and beer and wine in the grocery store um, so I drank a lot of brandy and that's where that that's where that came from plus I decided to make brandy a Hungarian thing and what I should have done with it was use the actual Hungarian brandy which is basically a um, U2V but instead, they, he got French brandy uh, because of the help that was um, in the story. It's the little personal submissive slash uh, servant to the vampire queen. Lastly about this, I can tell you, to be truthful about it, my ex had a best friend who was named Laura. I'm not giving any other information about it that than that, so this is okay to talk about. That being said, um, my ex's best friend, I tried to make amends, but I wasn't good enough for her. I tried to make amends, I tried to be nice, I tried all the shit, so that I tried all the shit. They just, you know, they just couldn't see eye to eye over me, and looking back on it, I still thank my ex for taking my side on this. So I said, Bucket, your uh, best friend is not going to be someone I'm going to be able to hang out with. That's cool. You guys do your thing. She's getting put in the novel. That's all that is to it. And actually, I ended up writing her into a scene. I, made, I, I changed all the personal details. Because, again, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble or let you know their, let you know their personal shit other than my own. And I put, there in, put her in the scene where Olivia goes out to feed one night because she can't feed from Joseph because he's fucking drunk. And he still has these horrible drugs in his system. Olivia and Isabella go to interrupt a frat party. And they stick around for a few minutes and all the boys are being boys and the girls are being stupid drunk women because they're fucked up too early and they're too young. Uh, they might be legal, I don't remember. They didn't get laid, so it doesn't matter. But uh, I had put one of the women in a position where she was about to get raped, and Livia saves her, and when Livia does the blood ceremony thing, Livia basically binds her to the little girl. 
and brings her home to be her servant because Joseph ends up freeing Marion. Well, a buddy of mine was beta reading this and she gets to the scene and she goes, you fucking put me in there. I said, what do you mean? No, I didn't. That's not you. She said, it looks exactly like me. I said, no. To be fair about it, the original person this is built, this is based off of as a, as a heavy woman with a big nose. You are, well, I think I have shoes that weigh more, I have toys that weigh more than my friend that I'm talking about. Just change it. I said, no, too late. It's already there. I'm not going to do it. It's not you, though. It's stuck. I send this out to a publisher, Red Sage picks it up after 10 years, I guess about 10 years, and uh, that character sticks. She then, the friend of mine keeps badgering me about this, because I keep trying to do all kinds of crazy shit that my friend would never do, like put her in a lesbian scene and write that in there. My friend's like, free me, keep fucking, either free me or kill me. I don't do that sort of thing. I'm like, what are you doing in this book here? And by the way, it wasn't, I'm telling you, was not based on you. I don't care how much. I didn't even know, because I don't think I'd even seen a picture of my friend at the time. I think we might have traded photos a couple times here over the years, but it's been a long time. And I've known this particular woman since like the age of 18. And here I is, here it is, I'm 26 or 27. And, um... Just, I don't know, I didn't realize. Um, so it's stuck. And because I'm probably not going to finish the series, um, my friend is trapped in this universe as a servant to these two vampires and the werewolf. And the werewolf's mate. Oh, uh, you know what else I can tell you about this too? Uh, last thing I'll say about this, and then I'm going to end this because I've been on for a minute, is that the mansion that Livia and all of them live in, I think I put it in Knob Hill, because that's what Solana told me to do with it as far as, like, that's the part of San Francisco you want to be in because you've got money. shows you've got money, and there's mansions up there, at least that's what I remember. Well, I'd never been in a really large house at that point up until my real estate days just after this and I, uh, when I was writing earlier I was playing a lot of Resident Evil Zero so the actual mansion in the Knights of Lust series is based off the uh, training facility from Resident Evil Zero and presumably one I haven't played the rest of the series uh, I like the feel of the mansion I like the openness about it, the hidden staircases and things like that that were around there. I like the music they put behind it. It was creepy as fuck. It also scared me some nights. Um, I was playing the game and listening to a lot of Slayer, their older shit, uh, you know, doing that thing. And when I came up with writing this story, I thought, fuck it, let's do the mansion, do the, uh, the mansion from Resident Evil. It's big enough. It can house all the grandioseness that my characters would want and need and it could do all the things you want it to do so I could put a smoking parlor in there, I could put a wine cellar in there, I could put a, a drinking room, a tea room, a, a, a 
whatever else they might want to have. Being that these two vampires are literally about 400 years old at least and had life and their version of royalty does not look like our version of royalty as is as of 2005. So, um, all right. That is uh, going to do it for this episode of Story Behind the Story. I appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we'll do the shilling now, too. If you guys catch this on a podcast, my Patreon link should be below or somewhere around here. I should also tell you that my Patreon link will be on YouTube. Any contribution helps. I just need the eyes, really, on the books. But um, there's that. If you're finding this on a podcast, I have a plethora of YouTube videos out that are geared towards writers. This series was spawned because I wasn't writing, and I needed to talk about why. So come check me out. Find me on the YouTubes. Find me on on the Twatters. Find me on the Facebooks. I'm all over the place. I'm hard to miss. And uh, once again, thank you for listening, and I appreciate all of your support. Cheers. Hey folks, thank you for staying tuned and sticking around with me for Stories Behind Stories, your background on Sasha Ilyevich novels and all things Sasha writer related. It means a lot that you spread the word of this podcast, like and subscribe, share with your friends, tell the world, and uh, if you like reading romance novels, I've got a plethora of them for you on Amazon. Cheers.